Um, let's open up to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, and we will be getting there in just a moment. I would like to ask you two questions this morning before we get started just to think about. First one is, are you perfect? That's the same thing the first service did. They just chuckled. All right. Second question. Can you be perfect? Once again, the same thing the first service did. Got a lot quieter on that part. This week we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. And you might have friends over, you might have family over, you might be going somewhere. But it's going to be a time for you all to get together, have fun, do whatever traditions you guys do on Thanksgiving. There's so many different things that happen. But one thing I know that's going to happen is every single one of us, or some of us, are going to say, we have the perfect recipe passed down through generations, or maybe you created it and you're like, it's done. No one else is better. This is perfect. <laughs> I hear yeah. I've tasted some of your guys' food and I believe it. I'm just saying. But you might be saying a turkey is only perfect when it's deep fried, maybe when it's in the smoker, or if you're like me because I can't have fire in the house. I don't know if it's because of the rent or they just know me, but I have to cook my turkey in the oven. So... And all of the recipes say that maybe this is the perfect green bean casserole or the perfect way to do this. But we're entering this time of perfection, and a lot of us have that on our mind. But all of us, in all aspects, fall short of perfection. We are unable to bring this perfection into things because we ourselves are not perfect. And it is by our very own nature that things are impossible to us because we are not perfect. So how many, uh, how many of us can honestly say that there have been times in our lives that we feel maybe inadequate or unaccomplished, not strong enough, don't have enough courage in a certain situation, or a time where we feel we are not good enough for those around us? And maybe this holiday season you're stressed about that perfection. When people come to your house, you want them to see a perfect, tidy house. You want them to see your kids on their perfect behavior. And we can put on a front, but we all know that is impossible. These feelings we are feeling at times and feeling right now, for some of us in our own lives, are because of our imperfection. When we are asked to do something in our lives, we fall short because we are inadequate. The Bible is full of commands that we are expected to do in our lives and asked to be perfect in. But listen to me when I say this. All of the commands in the Bible are beyond our human ability to attain because of our sin. 
Matthew 5.48 says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And God, when, when we hear this, we're being commanded to love our enemies rather than hate them. That is what is being spoken of. And then God concludes that command with be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. And they're like, okay, sounds good. Let me get right on that. Well, I'm sorry to burst your bubble this morning, but none of us are perfect. And in Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And another verse that comes to mind is Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39, when Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. How do I love my neighbor as myself? if I am caught up in my own life, my own struggles, my own career, my own ambitions. But we are called to, ev to love everyone in that same way, to focus on them with the same passion we give ourselves in our own lives. So as I said before, the Bible is full of commands that we ourselves are unable to reach because we are sinful in nature and are not perfect. So this morning, I want to speak with you about three impossible commands. The Bible is full of commands like these, but let's look at these three that are really hard. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the first thing we're going to go over this morning is rejoice always. What does it look like to rejoice always? And is this even possible? Yes, it is. But not in the way that you think. Okay, we're still going to have situations that are bad. We're still going to go through struggles in our life. We're still going to have days where we just are not happy. There may be something you're going through or currently going through. But what I'm talking about is rejoicing always in the understanding that through Jesus Christ, we know he is in control of all things. So I'm not saying rejoice in the situation, but during and through that situation, you can rejoice knowing that Jesus Christ is with you and came for you and wants the best for you according to his will. See, in Matthew 5, 12, it says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So I surely do not think that during the hard times for us and those before us, such as, you know, the prophets and the martyrs and everyone else in this world that has had hard times, 
and anyone else who has suffered because of their belief in Jesus Christ, I don't feel that they were in a position or situation that they were rejoicing in that situation. In the physical situation, we might not be rejoiceful. But you know what they did rejoice in? They rejoiced in the understanding that they had that Jesus Christ was with them and they would spend eternity with him through their belief in him. So when we are not promised that our commitment to Jesus Christ will end our suffering here on earth. We are promised that it will end our suffering in eternity. So in Christ, we can rejoice because what he has done, even in the hard times, the struggles and things that we live through and go through on earth will still be hard. And in some of those things, we will not rejoice in the situation that is happening, but we can rejoice in Christ Jesus for what he has done for us. So we can rejoice always because we know that Christ suffered for us and died for our sins. And we are complete through him, not through ourselves. And now let's continue in this verse. And we are now asked to pray continually. So not only are we asked to be happy and rejoiceful, well, asked to be rejoiceful in all things, we are also asked to pray continually. So are these commands getting hard yet? Okay. So now, let us navigate how we're supposed to pray continually. You see, in Christ, we have this continual access to God through prayer. And we can rejoice and be thankful for that because of the work of Jesus Christ. Through the death on the cross, we have unlimited access to God, and our lives should revolve around being in constant communication with Him. So can anyone in here imagine times before cell phones? Okay? The times when we had to make a collect call and speak really, really fast just to let our parents know, I'm okay, I'll be right home. Blah, blah, blah. Okay? Or a time before when we had to wait until 8 or 9 o'clock. I forget the exact time. But you're like, hey, I'm going to call you tonight because my minutes are free. And during that time, we had to wait. We could still talk to each other, though, right? It was just harder. We had to think about it. We had to go through this process of, okay, Later on, I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to you, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. But that doesn't mean we couldn't communicate. That doesn't mean before cell phones, we weren't able to talk to one another. Doesn't mean before unlimited data plans, texting, that we couldn't communicate. It was just more difficult. It was different. It was a different process. But now, we can grab the phone from our pocket, Call, email, text, YouTube, if you want to waste hours of your day. Get online and look something up. I just realized I still have a sticker from Matt sticking it on my luggage. That's what that is. But we can grab this and virtually do whatever we want. We can access unlimited information in just a few seconds. Because 
That's what happened through this device. But you see, this is also the access that God gave us through Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, it was harder for those to potentially talk to God, to ask for forgiveness of sins, because they had a process, okay? They would go take their sacrifices and present their sacrifices at the altar, or they would give them to those who could present their sacrifices at the altar for their sins. And if you were a high priest, then you can go into the sacred part of the temple and ask for forgiveness for all of those that are presenting themselves. And it was a process. So it was still possible to talk to God. It was just a different process. But through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, by dying for our sins and bridging that gap, we now have the ability to have constant communication with God because our access is no longer limited to waiting to present something at the altar or for someone to go forward in the altar and ask for forgiveness for us. We simply just get to start the conversation. We simply just get to pick up our Jesus phone, okay? It's not a bat phone in this situation. We just simply get to start talking. We have that access immediately. But sometimes we are still wondering how to fill that time. We have access now. We can talk to God at all times. But now there's this thing in our mind that says, how on earth am I supposed to talk to God continuously when I have everything else in my life going on? I have to get ready for school. I have to do this. I have to get ready for work. I have to get my kids out of bed. I have to do all this. How am I supposed to talk to God and be in this constant prayer life with everything else? How do we find our time to communicate with God? Back in the 17th century, Francois Fénelon wrote some words about prayer that can help us today. He said, tell God all that is in your heart as one unloads one's heart. It pleasures and it pains to a dear friend. Tell him your troubles that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys that he may sober them. Tell him your longings that he may purify them. And he continued, talk to him of your temptations so that he he may shield you from sin. And show him the wounds of your heart that he may heal them. And if you thus pour out your weaknesses, needs, troubles, and temptations in your life, there will be no, no lack of what to say. If you are constantly doing that with God, you will not run out of time. You will not need to fill the gap because in our sinful nature, in our own lives, we will always have a reason to talk to God. So may we grow in our intimacy with God so that we want to spend more time with him.
Being able to pray to God is not something we need to look at as a burden, but instead it is a gift that we should enjoy throughout our lives continually in all circumstances, not just when we are wanting something. And now we're moving into the third part of this verse where it says, give thanks in all circumstances. Giving thanks is easy when things are going our way, right? When we're happy, when everything is going according to plan, when you get off work on time and there's no traffic for whatever reason and you get home, when things are going our way, it is so easy to give thanks. But what about when things are going God's way, according to God's will and not our own? Can you give thanks in that? In Christ, we can give thanks in all circumstances because we have this eternal hope and security that we will be with God forever. Even if what is happening now is hard and we're suffering and it's painful, we still know that God is with us and can give thanks and rejoice because our eternity is in him. But then why are these commands hard? It is because we are limited to our own knowledge and desires through our sinful nature and not God's knowledge and desires through his perfect nature. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time because I really want you guys to hear that. These commands are hard because we are limited to our own knowledge and desires through our sinful nature and not God's knowledge and desires through his perfect nature. In Ephesians 1, 11 through 12, it says, In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. So things are not for our own glory, but instead they are for God's glory. And we cannot see the vastness or complete understanding of God's glory, so therefore things may be hard and beyond our own understanding. So if you take a picture, think of wherever you want to take a picture, Hawaii, Grand Canyon, Benicia, I don't know. When you develop that picture, you are limited by the borders of that picture. And you can see what's in that picture. You can understand what you see, but not beyond that picture. That's an empty void that you just can't figure out unless you are seeing it. And that's what happens in our life sometimes is that maybe that picture is showing something bad. Maybe that picture that we have that we're seeing directly in front of us is that bad situation. But what you don't understand sometimes and what sometimes we just forget is that we're only seeing that picture, that three by five picture, not God's picture. And in God's picture, it all makes sense there's a reason for it, and it's for his glory that it is happening. 
So that is why if we read in Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. It is because we can't fully understand things in God's will because we are not God. We can't possibly know the plans of the Lord, and this is why we have a hard time. Because we're not God. So we can rejoice in, Christ, in Jesus Christ for what he has done for us when we choose to believe and accept him into our hearts. When we take this step, we rejoice in knowing that after this time we spend on earth, we are to live with God for eternity. We can pray continually because through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice now, we have an open communication with God through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And we can give thanks in all circumstances, knowing that our understanding is not the complete picture of God's will in our lives. And now we come to the last part of this verse. And finishing up in verse 18, it says, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So what does this mean exactly? God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, it's God's will for you to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ in your life, and through that relationship, you are able to keep those commands. Because when we ask Jesus Christ into our hearts, we get something extra. As if receiving, receiving payment for all of our sins was not enough, Jesus Christ gives us even more to help guide us. When we ask Jesus Christ into our heart, we are gifted with the Holy Spirit to continue to guide us through our lives, which are still presented with sin. In John 14, 26, when Jesus is speaking to the disciples and letting them know when they follow him in their lives and love him, if they love him, they will keep his commands. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom my father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So we now have the Holy Spirit to continue to guide us in our lives during the times in order to remind us of the commands of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit gives us guidance to make an educated decision to steer clear of sin. So you see the process you are looking for and looking at here is that the buck doesn't stop at Jesus. He saved all of us, but our process of being Christian does not stop in the accepting Christ into our hearts. As Christians, we are called to not neglect the work of Christ in our lives after we are born again. And through this, we are justified. Through Christ dying on the cross for our sins and paying that price, when we accept him into our hearts, we are justified to God. We are justified because when he fills that gap with his life, we are presented to God as perfect through Jesus Christ, not of ourselves. 
But after that justification, there is also the command to be sanctified. To be more holy than we were before. So you see, justification happens instantly at the moment we are born again and accept Christ in our hearts. But sanctification happens gradually throughout the life of a Christian. So just because you accept Jesus into your heart doesn't mean that we, we're done. That's one of the funniest things I hear sometimes. They're like, ah, oh, I accepted Christ in my heart. I'm done. No, you're not. That's just the beginning. Because as a Christian, we are now called to present ourselves as Christ to others who do not yet know Christ. So if we stop after accepting Christ, we are not showing the world who Christ is. If we stop after accepting Christ, we are not fulfilling the greatest commandment to go out into the world and share the gospel. It is that continuation process of sanctification that not only are we learning and being guided by the Holy Spirit in our lives, but we are showing others that it's possible for them. Because as a Christian, I'm not claiming to be perfect. It's, it's the exact opposite. As a Christian, I'm claiming that I'm broken. And I'm claiming that I can't do it on my own. And the reason why I became Christian is because I got sick and tired of trying to figure it out. So my hope is those who aren't Christian that haven't accepted Christ in their heart would realize and understand that they are imperfect and they can never be perfect because we are not God. And it is only through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our lives that we are presented as perfect to God. So there's still work to do. In Matthew 9, 37 to 38, it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So because of the justification through Jesus Christ, we are now called to continue the message of the harvest. And because of who God is in our lives, through Jesus Christ and the sending of his Holy Spirit, we now have the ability to. So remember, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say, this is God's will for you apart from Christ Jesus. It is in Christ Jesus. So those impossible commands, all the commands in the Bible that are impossible through our own sinful nature are no longer impossible. The impossible commands become possible through Jesus Christ in our lives. And through what he has done and through his death on the cross for our sins. In a few moments, um, we are going to be taking communion this morning. And through this practice, we are remembering that Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross 
Together we eat bread and drink the juice, which represents his broken body and shed blood on the cross for our sins. And we practice an open table here at FBC that if you have taken that step and accepted Christ into your heart and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then we invite you to partake in the elements with us. So I would like to pray really quick, and then we'll take communion together. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now that we would become a church in a body of believers that would rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances because this is your will. We are not perfect, and it is only through Jesus Christ that we are presented as perfect to God, our Father, because of the price that was paid for us on the cross. Our lives will continually be surrounded by sin, and those who want to pull us away from you until the time comes that we are with you in eternity. And Lord, I pray right now that during this time in our lives, we would continue to grow in our relationship with you and become closer to you in every aspect of our, our lives from here forward. And right now, I would just like to take the opportunity with all of our heads bowed to ask that maybe you haven't taken that step. Maybe you haven't accepted Christ into your heart and maybe you are just wondering, how does that happen? If you are in here this morning and you would like to take that step, I would like to encourage you to just follow me in this prayer. It doesn't have to be something flamboyant or crazy. It just has to be simple and from the heart. So if that is you, I pray that you would just follow me in saying this. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I acknowledge that I am imperfect and incapable to fulfill the commands from you through my own life. I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and through his death on the cross and through what he has done, that my sins are forgiven and I can be presented as perfect and holy to you through my acceptance of Jesus Christ. And right now, I would like to accept Jesus Christ into my heart and acknowledge that I can't do anything without him. And it is through him that I am able to fulfill the commands that you have for me in your word. And I thank you, Lord, for being with me in my life. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, in 1 Corinthians, and I actually forgot mine. If I can get a communion thing, that'd be great. Oh. <laughs> Cheerio. Okay. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, when Jesus is speaking to the disciples, it says, For I receive from the Lord what is also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had it, 
giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. And in the same way, after, su after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. Let's take the juice together. Amen. Thank you.